This is On The Tee Golf New Zealand Podcast, hosted by Tom Hyde and Brendan Telfer. Proudly presented by Podcasts New Zealand and Gorilla Voice Media. Well, hello again and welcome along to On The Tee, the podcast that talks golf and only golf. I'm Brendan Telfer along with my co-host Tom Hyde and we come to you, of course, in association with our friends at JK's World of Golf, your one-stop golfing shop open 24-7 at Nixon Road at Auckland International Airport. Check out their deals at jksworldofgolf.co.nz and also from our friends at the Akarana Golf Club. Check them out also for some very good deals with uh, online greenfield deals at Akarana golf.co.nz. Well, it's been a very hectic, cluttered year for the game's top male and female golfers, uh, so congested that the majors season for the men, which is normally spread over four, four and a half months, this year, the four leading golf championships of the calendar year are going to be done and dusted inside 12 weeks in order to find time on the calendar for the Olympic Games, uh, the Ryder Cup, and somewhere in all of that, uh, the sport's richest trophy, the FedEx Cup, will also be staged. It's probably no wonder that some leading names like uh, Adam Scott and Dustin Johnson and one or two others are opting out of the Olympics, crying out, hey, Too much golf in 2020, too many tournaments, we need a break. Well, of course, it was the arrival of the pandemic that largely has been responsible for the build-up of events in some ways in 2021. There was no Open Championship, for example, last year. Well, with us to look at the year to date, this hectic, very congested year, this broadcaster, golf writer and commentator Peter Williams. Peter, uh, thank you for your time. Um, Can I put a little kind of devil's advocate question to you first up? Has greed taken over here and trying to squeeze all these tournaments and all these different entities into one year? I suppose you could call it greed on one front. You could also call it uh, realism and pragmatism on the other. Brendan, you've got the Olympics, you've got four major championships and a Ryder Cup in 2021, and they want to get them all done, or as much as uh, much of them done, before the NFL takes over the American television sporting scene, because the NFL, uh, as Tom would well know, is just an absolute monster a behemoth in the American sporting landscape. And when the fall comes around, it's uh, the NFL matches that dominate television ratings. Mm. Golf, I'm sorry, uh, just does not cut the mustard. So that's why golf wants to get uh, any of its big events out of the NFL season. That means things have got to be finished uh, by August. And that's why the, yeah. uh, the PGA Tour doesn't exist uh, in a full calendar year anymore. It starts off with some minor events before Christmas and then is effectively done and dusted by August each year. Yeah, you know, Peter, I would agree with that. I think that's really spot on. And uh, being sort of uh, having sort of American sport and traditional golf majors in in my DNA, if you will, uh, I, I actually am not a fan of Olympic golf at all. I haven't been from day one. I mean, if they want to go ahead and play, fine. I don't, you know, wouldn't protest it. But this year especially, I think, highlights the fact that, as you said, Brendan, that they're just trying to squeeze too much in in too little time. And players are pulling out, I think, because they're, they're kind of looking at, say, the NBA right now, which is squeezed to a shorter season because of COVID. And you've got a lot of injuries going on. And I think golfers have just got an XXX expiration date as to how much they can play and when and where and how. And uh, I just don't think the Olympics fits in, especially when you've got, as Brendan noted, the four majors squeezed together 
And then for me, it's now looking at the British Open or the Open Championship and then the Ryder Cup. The fact that they're playing the Olympics, you know, I, I could care less. Yeah, I know that that is not a, an unusual opinion. I mean, I, I disagree with you quite strongly on that. I think uh, it's good that the uh, golf is at the Olympics, and we've discussed this before, and we just have to agree to disagree. Uh, I think if you want to be one of the major sports on the planet, uh, one of the boxes you have to tick is you need to be at the Olympic Games. Um, but anyway, yes, uh, a whole lot of things have come together. Unfortunately, COVID, the Olympics, the Ryder Cup, the delaying of the Olympics as well. Uh, yeah. In theory, the Olympics would have been on, should have been on last year and if they hadn't been on this year there wouldn't have been such a crush but um, so it'd be interesting to see Peter how many as they say bodies are left standing at the end of the golfing year um, because uh, a lot of the guys that are going to the Olympics are going to be in the FedEx Cup and are, and are going to be in the Ryder Cup yeah 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 but there's going to be some notable absentees from the, the Olympics uh, because I guess they they decide that uh, the major championships and the Ryder Cup are more important than the Olympics. And, you know, who are the noticeable abs- absentees? Well, I guess the top one is uh, Dustin Johnson. The United States team uh, currently with uh, Justin Thomas, uh, Colin Morikawa, Bryson DeChambeau and Xander Shoffley. So it means that the silver medalist from last time in Rio, uh, Matt Kuchar, didn't make the cut. So no Dustin Johnson, no Patrick Reed, no Brooks Kepka. Mm. Uh Webb Simpson, Tony Finau, guys who are not necessarily qualified anyway, but Dustin Johnson uh, missing out there. Uh, Sergio Garcia not playing for Spain, even though John Rahm is, which is uh, which is good. Justin Rose didn't make the cut for uh, the Great Britain team. And uh, you've got uh, Adam Scott not playing for Australia. So you've got uh, some big names missing. But I think when you look at the Olympic field, it's certainly better than last time, particularly because you've got the world's number one player there in John Rahm. And you've got Rory McIlroy uh, tearing it up with Shane Lowry uh, in the Irish team. So two uh, major championship winners in the Irish team, even though one's from Northern Ireland, one's from the Republic. So they're coming together to play for Ireland, which is great. Yeah, let me ask both of you on this question. I, I uh, kind of expose my ignorance, but what's who's playing for New Zealand? Well, at the moment, uh, just Ryan Fox. there's only Ryan, Ryan Fox, Fox in, in oh, the men's yeah. and uh, Lydia Ko in the women's. Only one. Um, yeah, this is it's a kind of a slightly convoluted qualifying system, isn't it, Peter? That uh, you you've uh, got to be, I think, in the top. Is it the top sixty? Um, but well, there are sixty players in the yeah, field. sixty in the field, but there's all sorts yeah, anybody of anybody who's in the world's anybody who's in the world's top fifteen mm. automatically qualifies. So there are four players from the United States inside mm. the world. You're allowed to have a maximum of four. Yeah, very good. Maximum of four. They've all got to they've all got to be in the top yeah. fifteen. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's all based on the official World Golf Rankings as of the 21st of June. So the field, for all intents and purposes, is uh, done and dusted now. And Ryan Fox, currently with a world ranking of, uh, what, 178, mm. uh, is the only one good enough to get in. Danny Lee's uh, world ranking has slipped down to, I think it's 199 or 196 at, uh, at last look. So he just uh, wasn't high enough up the list to, to make the cut. Yeah, so well, Fox is the only one there for New Zealand. Yeah, and on that note, Br- anyway. uh, Brendan, I know we've had Ryan as our guest a couple of times. He's a gentleman. He's a great player. Maybe I'll pay attention to the Olympics after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, um, he will he'll perform well. I mean, he does. He, he usually does come through and perform well when the pressure goes on. I, I can't help but feel, Peter, that some of those guys that have pulled out, particularly Dustin Johnson and Adam Scott, their lack of form in 2021 uh, may probably have been a contributing factor to them to miss uh, trudging off to Japan for one week's golf. 
Yes, although uh, Dustin Johnson, you might say he's uh, had a comparative lack of form. He's still ranked number two in the world. So <laughs> it's mm. it's not uh, bad that he's, uh, as you say, not in, in great form. But there he was in contention, was he not, at the Travelers Championship nice weekend, just yeah. a few days ago? Yeah, mm. so uh, I wouldn't write him off. Now, uh, one of the more interesting uh, competitors at the Olympics this year will be Rory Sabatini. Now, what country do you think Rory Sabatini is playing for? Slovenia. Here's a... Uh, almost, almost. Slovakia. 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 <laughs> ah, it was close. Check, check that, check that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, he's, he's a bit of a loose cannon, isn't he, or has been a bit of a loose cannon from time time to time, Sabatini, isn't he? This is the guy that uh, will walk off a green, won't he, if someone who's in his group taking too long over a putt. So I don't know whether he's the most pop- he'll be the most popular golfer at, um, at Tokyo. Yeah, there are not many uh, major champions who are going to be playing at the Olympics. So, obviously, Dustin Johnson is the current uh, or the, the Masters champion from late last year, not playing. Uh, uh, Hideki Matsuyama is playing for Japan, and Ram is playing for for uh, uh, Spain. Uh, so that's uh, that's encouraging. But uh, Phil Mickelson is uh, well; he's a long way from making the American team, uh, despite him having. Probably contributed the the greatest golfing story of 2021 so far. Yeah, I'd, I would agree. Actually, we're talking, of course, about his his win at the PGA. Um, an interesting question was posed online this week on a, on a golf chat show that I was following. Um, who will be or who is the Player of the Year this year? Which is a highly significant thing, although I'm talking about the American Player of the Year here, um, and I think it's chosen by the players, isn't it? I mean, at the moment, you'd say, well, yes, you'd give it to um, Mickelson. But of course, in theory, the player of the year brings not only success that he's had, but also consistency. But no, Mickelson has done absolutely nothing, has he? Right. Uh, other than win the US Open. Yeah, so yeah. could you make him player of the year? No, no. I would have to go with John Rahm. I mean, Rahm won the US Open. He's won again. He's steady. It, taking your point yeah. about inconsistency. He's very consistent. And right now he's number one in the world, and I think that speaks to volumes, yeah. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Mm. Agree entirely there, Tom. And, of course, even though he's just had the, the one win, which was a significant one, the, the U.S. Open, he would have won the Memorial by the length of the street. Yeah, exactly. To pull out after round three uh, with, uh, with COVID, which, of course, raises another interesting topic about uh, golfers and COVID. So we've had last four major championships, two Masters, a US Open and a PGA, and uh, two of the winners had been tested positive for COVID uh, only mm. about three or four weeks beforehand. So it goes to show that, um, you know, maybe if you do get a positive test for COVID, you can still play top-level golf. Mm. I yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you what, we have, not to push along, but I'm, I'm, I'm as curious to know what you two, now we've got, you know, the Olympics are going to happen, mm. but in two weeks we've got the Open Championship at Royal St. George. And I'm, yeah. and I'm curious to what, how you two perceive that and who's going to play well and what you think about the Open Championship in general as opposed to the other majors. Well, as a rule of thumb for me, uh, it's a bit, it's always a bit of a raffle. There's so much depth in, in golf, of course, now that uh, anyone can win it. But it's not often that the winner of a major championship is that far out of the top ten. I mean, you look at uh, what's happened this year with Matsuyama. I think he might have been out. He has been in the top 10 prior to this year. Um, I think he had drifted out well out. So it might have been 30th or something, I think, when he when he won the Masters. Um, but Ram, we've mentioned him. 
Uh, Mickelson, yes, Mickelson was certainly from left field, and those kind of winners do come up. But then again, you look at his, um, uh, I guess you look at his record, his experience, um, and it kind of compensates, I suppose, mm. for his poor world ranking. But, um, well, my personal desire would be to see Rory McIlroy come through and win it. Okay. Um, I think he's he's not quite there yet with his game, but uh, he still lacks a little bit of consistency. But um, some of the golf he played uh, a couple of weeks ago at the US Open on the last two days, I thought was as good as anyone was playing. But he just lets himself down with his putting at the mm-hmm. moment. He, he, can, he can't make putts. Um, but he'll get plenty of support. I think he's playing this week in the Irish Open, isn't he? So um, we'll get an idea, I suppose, of what he's, what sort of form he's mm. taken across the Atlantic. But uh, he'd be my pick, Peter. Yes, and I'd, I'd really like to throw a couple of English players into the mix. The two English guys who are going to go to the Olympics, actually, because this is an Open Championship, which is in England, and it's not played in England all that often because, uh, well, the last one, of course, it was in Northern Ireland, wasn't Royal Port Rush back in 2019, and so many of the courses on the open rota are in Scotland, but this is being played or in the north of England um, at uh, at Hoylake or, or Birkdale. This is right down on the south coast, uh, Royal St George's, uh, pretty close to London. So how about a, a, an English pick, uh, Tyrrell Hatton maybe, uh, Lee Westwood has been playing pretty well lately. Yeah, I'm glad uh, you said Casey, that. I, yeah, Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, I'd like to see one of those guys do well in England. Yeah, I'd like to see Lee Westwood play well and, and certainly win it because I recall when Darren Clark, you know, was presumably over the hill and just a, a, a toss in and he won it. Uh, mm-hmm. a number of years back, and Lee Westwood has not won a major. And I think I, that would be a great story. And I think Westwood has in, is still a better golfer than Darren Clark. But um, uh, And he's won this year, hasn't he? What did he win this year? He won something big, didn't he? In the early, was it the players or something earlier this year? Westwood won? Yeah, um, he has won earlier this year. Um, and on, the US, surprise, on the U.S. Yeah. tour. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, um, he just got married, I think, which might have uh, put some... It's his new caddy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, good on him. <laughs> but, uh, but it is a raffle, isn't it, Peter? It is these major championships. Um, well, it depends on the weather too much, too. Uh, yeah. I guess mm. you could say that down on the south coast, the weather might be more settled uh, than perhaps in Scotland, more consistent uh, than what you get at, say, St Andrews or Carnoustie or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that uh, the weather is always going to be a factor. And even in the south of England, of course, the weather has um, been known to be rather inclement uh, in recent times, as we saw with the cricket of Southampton. Mm. OK, let's get back to a couple of uh, big stories this year. Uh, Phil Mickelson, we, we've uh, touched on him. Um, what is he now, 50 years of age? The first 51. 51, yeah. yeah, the first time a 50-year-old has won a major championship. It's extraordinary that he was just able to find and so much good form with every club he took out of the bag for one week. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And he's gone back to this kind of roller coaster kind of golf that he's been playing for years since he, he won a month or so ago. Mm. Um, extraordinary. But um, uh, is he good enough? Someone has raised the question is he good enough to win the Open Championship? I don't think so. And somebody asked me the same question about the U.S. Open. I said I wouldn't bet on it. And I think that this PGA win was at, at Kiowa Island was sensational and emotional. I was pulling for him as everybody else was. But you just noted the big word earlier, Brendan, is inconsistent. And that's Phil. He's just he's not consistent enough. Off the whether, tee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. you look at his tee shots and there's usually a, a fade or a draw. They're rarely ever straight. And I think that my – 
impressions of the Open Championship, if you don't hit the ball straight, then you can, yeah, you know. Uh, I think the fairways that the uh, courses used for the, the Open, uh, the British Open, are wider than courses you find at the other three championships um, in the U.S. So it tends to favor someone like Mickelson. Um, well, you know, years ago, he did have that when Henrik Stenson won. You know, this is going back two times now, um, maybe four or five years. I mean, he and Mickelson had that hole-for-hole match yeah, play yeah, right down yeah. to the end. It was it was compelling to watch. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I wouldn't discount Mickelson. I mean, he's got a great game when he when he gets it together, and and he's motivated probably. So, you know, I wouldn't discount him. I, but, I mean, Peter, if I was going to ask you to pick three to win the Open Championship, who would it be? Well, he wouldn't be in my top three, I have to say, Phil Mickelson. I know he's uh, won it before, uh, and he's had that great win this year, but the point is the inconsistency is reflected in the fact that I think he's 48th on the FedEx Cup standings at the moment, despite having won a major championship. Uh, so, quite extraordinary. Yeah, I would uh, I'd like to put in Fleetwood, so I'd like to put in Westwood, and i put McElroy in for, for the top three. Now, again, it's uh, it's almost like throwing darts at a board, yeah. uh, and you've got to take into account you know the vagaries of Lynx Golf and vagaries of English weather, and who has a hot run that particular week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I that's why I, I, I never put money on, on uh, the TAB at a golf tournament. No, um, no. This is about three holes to go. <laughs> I can't help but thinking uh, that it's about time um, Justin Thomas picked himself up another major. I, I think he ever since he had that incident where he unfortunately got c- called out, didn't he, for using the term faggot, albeit at himself, mm-hmm. um, but he copped a lot of very bad publicity over it and he apologised profusely, but it seemed to have affected him. I don't know whether it's had a psychological effect on his game, but he doesn't seem to have been the same player since then. Doesn't uh, seem to hold it together for four rounds, for sure. Uh, which yeah. surprises me, but yeah. I presume he will get back to that stage. He's too good a golfer like Rory McIlroy, mm. do you think, to stay out of that um, mm. place for too long. What about the other... Big name this year, and I suppose last year, Bryson DeChambeau. Um, he now towers over virtually everyone, doesn't he, when he tees it up in a tournament. He becomes the focus of certainly the fans' attention. Television love him, can't get enough of him. There's no Tiger Woods factor anymore with the television coverage or for the spectators. So, um, uh, and, he, <laughs> and he kind of delivers, doesn't he, Peter? I'm not quite sure why or how when you see how many stray balls he hits, but he often is never far from the top of the leaderboard. Well, we saw that at the US Open, didn't we? But, you know, I also feel, Brendan, that because of his um, unusual demeanour, both on and off the course, when he had that double bogey uh, late at Torrey Pines, there weren't a lot of people showing sympathy for him. I think there was real support for John Rahm going down the stretch there because everybody knew what had happened to him at the memorial. But, yeah, DeChambeau, I find him, I've got to say, a difficult watch, a really difficult watch. Uh, the whole uh, stiff kind of swing, the straight-arm <laughs> yeah. swing, the extraordinary putting style where everything – he sort of looks like uh, the pack-and-save stick man, doesn't he? Uh, it's just uh, – it's just – Unusual yeah. and not particularly aesthetic to watch when you put his swing alongside. Can, well said. Louis well said. Hazen, but can I ask Louis you this, Hazen, Peter? Did, uh, Rory McIlroy. Yeah. Did you, do you feel the same, or did you feel the same when you watched Jim Furyk hit a golf ball? <laughs> no, there was still something <laughs> rhythmical about him. Right? There still is. I mean, he goes out and he goes in, but he's dead square at, uh, at impact, and he was one of the, the straightest drivers the game's ever known. With uh, DeChambeau, that is just pure muscular power which somehow 
doesn't really care too much where the ball finishes up. Yeah. And I just wonder whether or not the guy's going to finish up with uh, a lot of pulled muscles by the time he finishes his golf. Well, yeah, that's what you know. You think of uh, Tiger Woods in the way he pounded a golf ball for twenty years from the his latter amateur days right through his professional career, and um, the violence almost that he perpetrated on his golf clubs, and inevitably he paid for it with goodness knows how many surgeries he's had mm. on his knees and his back, mm. and goodness knows other parts of his body. I can't help but feel that DeChambeau might be going down that same road, except I imagine, and I think I'm right in saying, he has um, a very dedicated team around him, including, I imagine, medicos and physios, um, aware of this possibility. But uh, uh, yes, you do think, again, when you look at the the way he attacks the golf ball, that his body um, will will fold up one day. Yeah, you know, not to regress, but I will regress. Uh, Peter talking about the art of the golf swing and looking at who could perform well at, in the, at the Open Championship. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen, mm-hmm. and this past weekend, I f- fully appreciated Harris English and his swing, lovely swing. Yeah. Yeah. And so you got two players there, w- w- to me, would exemplify the art of the golf swing. And I'll tell you, as I will regress, not to discount them from the Open Championship. And now mm. we can move on. Sometimes uh, I think golfers with easygoing swings bring an easygoing mental attitude as well. Which yeah. Sometimes, yeah. which I think lets them down a bit, like in the case of Louis Eustazen. And he's twice he's had that opportunity to close out majors this year. And I just think there's just something lacking. There's a little not bit aggressive of, enough. Yeah, yeah, something about his mental aggression. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't, he hasn't got the sniff of a major championship mm-hmm. properly in his nostrils. Um, but but um, whereas Ram has, I think, well, I think one of the successes for Ram is that he's controlled his mm. his emotions more, hasn't he, these days? And he was a couple oh, yeah, of years yeah. ago, hugely. But um, okay, so we don't give uh, Deshambo a pass, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no thumbs but, down. Uh, yeah, I can hear. I can see where you're coming from. I mean, I that's right. I mean, I just love this. That's why I enjoy watching uh, someone like Lydia Ko because of that beautiful, effortless yeah. swing that she's got. <clears throat> um, and uh, you know, and Ernie L. I'll and, tell you, in defense of Deschambeau, yeah. if you'd go to YouTube, I, yeah, I love watching press conferences on YouTube. And it's interesting to me because, I mean, how many questions can you ask a professional golfer that they haven't heard a million times? Mm. And having sat in press conferences myself, it, it scares the boots out of me because what do you say? I mean, what do you ask? But if you're covering these tournaments week after week, they come up with something. And so the press conferences at YouTube are really quite fascinating. And DeChambeau comes across as really a cool guy. Mm. I must say, mm. if you, he's happy. He's fun. He's, he's a sense of humor, especially with the Kepka rivalry that seems to be content. You know, uh, and so I mean, he may you know. He, I, I agree with Peter about his swing and his game, and he's a hard watch. But he seems like a good guy. Mm. Yeah, he's 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 highly educated too. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, Tom, and that's why they call him the mad scientist because everything about his game is based on science and his engineering background and the like. And uh, you know, that's why he's got all his irons, hasn't he? All the same shaft length yeah. and yeah. Uh, very very strange uh, equipment set up, but. My God, he's number five in the world. He's going to the Olympic Games. Oh, there you go. He'll be in the right. He'll so, be in the. He'll be in the right. Um, Captain, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder yeah. whether whether he'll be paired with uh, Kepka and, and the foursomes <laughs> at the right. Incidentally, Tom. No, we haven't got Hal Sutton as the team captain this year. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> people who don't get on will not be paired together. Yeah. There will be no. Uh, 
no um, emotional uh, mispairings, I don't think. Uh, Tom, just a, a word here. With no disrespect to your fellow Americans, um, all I can say is I've never yet come across an American sportsman or woman lost for words when a microphone's anywhere near them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, uh, DeChambeau, yeah, I, when he takes that uh, cheese cutter off, he, he, he looks a nice, happy, kind of relaxed yeah, kind does. of guy. he pretty cool. But he seems very uptight when he's walking around the golf course. But yeah. um, uh, but he's he's providing the kind of um, he's filling the gap that Tiger's left, hasn't he? Mm. With the fans mm. and the television, and they can't get enough of this guy. And um, so we wish him well. Okay, so yeah, he'll be a shoo-in for the Ryder Cup team in the top ten. Um, Matsuyama, uh, I, I guess we don't fully appreciate Peter just how big a deal uh, Matsuyama's win in the Masters was in Japan. And I was listening to some commentators the other day, uh, I think last uh, week at the last major um, US Open, saying uh, it's just extraordinary how big this guy is in Japan, bigger than anyone else in, in Japanese sport. Your sumo wrestlers, your baseball players, whoever, mm-hmm. your marathon runners, no one comes close to this guy. Um, and Indeed. Well, golf is uh, golf is a major event, a major sport in Japan, and Japan is golf's number two market. Still, I don't think China's yet overtaken it, but behind the United States, uh, the money that comes into world golf out of Japan is absolutely significant. So Matsuyama is going to be carrying the flag, I believe, for Japan at the uh, at the Tokyo Olympic Games. The pressure on him to win a medal and win particularly a gold medal will be immense. But you go into a golf tournament with 60 in the field, uh, nobody's ever guaranteed of uh, any sort of high placing in a, in a golf tournament, particularly in a field with the quality that uh, the Olympic event has, particularly at the, at the highest level. But Matsuyama is going to be under immense pressure, immense scrutiny. So it's going to be a really good test of his character to see how he comes through that four-day event that they'll play in Tokyo in the second week. I wonder whether the fact that there won't be any spectators there is going to work in his favour, that if he plays a poor shot, and he will will play some poor shots in the courses of four rounds, and he's got 30,000 or 40,000 Japanese fans there on on tender hooks, um, and every time he plays a bad shot, you know, he'll feel the pressure. I think that peaceful, quiet environment that he's going to be playing in uh, on a course which he surely would know better than anyone else in the field. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that I'd be very surprised, I'll say this, I'll be surprised if he doesn't win a medal. I think it's plausible. Absolutely, Brennan. And I'll tell you this thing about whether you have a gallery or not, as we've faced over the last 18 months or so, players all say they miss the fans. I'm not so sure that's true in every case. Mm. I think that being out there and being at peace and not having exactly. a loud American say, get in yeah. the hole oh, every time. Yeah, you know, exactly. I think that that would yeah. be yeah. sort yeah, of a pros relief. and cons around it. I think some respond. I think Rory McIlroy has spoken about the fact that he misses the crowd. That G's him up. Uh, well, he'll have them, I guess, at the Open and he'll have them at the Irish Open probably this week. But um, uh, yes, I think um, at times not having that distraction uh, and golfers has always been this peculiar kind of irony about golf. Um, golfers don't mind if a green is only 20 yards away from a motorway and cars are screaming by, but if someone coughs uh, while they're lining up a putt, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, they stop and wait yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, mobile yeah. phone going yeah, on. Yeah, mobile yeah. phone going yeah, yeah. on. Um, and I think yeah. there is this case, isn't there, uh, which a few have mentioned over the years that galleries should be able to talk, should be able to really get involved even around the green. And players just learn to live with the noise like they do in every sport. No, oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I would question I, that I too, I think. I'm frustrated after 54 years of playing golf. I still 
don't like shadows anywhere near me. I don't like people <laughs> on my peripheral vision. I don't like people talking, even if they're and I, even if they're 25 meters away on another green or whatever. And I can't stand the blinking green mowers, the green keepers mowers going on the next green either. So you know, you, you've somehow got to learn to keep the distractions out. But uh, it's darn hard, and we just play at a club hacking level. Uh, you'd think that professionals would get pretty frustrated by any sort of noise as well. Yeah. Well, but they don't. That's my point. That yeah. if a uh, cars are screaming by oh. twenty meters away, it doesn't bother them, does it? Yeah. There's, well, there's, there's noise in the noise. Rhythm, rhythm to that. That's, that's right. There is noise, and there is noise yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, speaking of hard watches, Peter, uh, it's <laughs> been a tough year for Danny Lee and Tim Wilkinson on this tour. Uh, yes. Uh, Tim was always sort of going to be on the cusp of getting starts. Things haven't gone so well for him. Danny, well, what is his best result? A tie for 21st, I think. He's still made, by the way, the best part of $400,000. A few cuts, but he's had some injury issues uh, along the way. But really, you have to say, not really a factor very much these days after being on that tour for uh, a decade now, very much falling into the, the journeyman status, which is... No disrespect at all, because if you can be a journeyman on the uh, PGA Tour, which is the, the, the major league of uh, professional golf, you're still a hell of a fine player. But he's no longer New Zealand's number one player. And uh, but I, I, I think and he can fulfill his promise, but there's still some, some way to go. The, the, the issue for Danny now must surely be, Peter, hanging on to his card. Uh, well, I don't know what his uh, current status is. We've got a couple of months to go. A few months well, he's got to, to finish in the top one, two, five, doesn't he, basically? Yeah. yeah. So where is he at the moment with $400,000? That just goes to show how much money you make if you get in the big league, doesn't it? Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's not that far away, I think, from his world ranking. I think he's 150th or 60th or something, but um, uh, yeah. 400000 gets you nothing this year <laughs> anymore no, on the no, US tour. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can buy a lot of groceries uh, when you're not on the golf course, but uh, you got to win. I think you've got to – well, I think he's probably got to win – close to a million, I think, to um, yeah. hang on to his card. But um, meanwhile, across the other side of the Atlantic, uh, Ryan Fox and Josh Geary, good value for money at the moment, Peter? Both of them. Yes. Uh, well, Ryan Fox has had a sort of stop-start kind of year on the European Tour because of uh, the virus and because of the travel restrictions. So I uh, did the swing through the Middle East earlier on in the year, had a top six, was it, in Saudi? Saudi, so yeah. Pretty yeah. much uh, picked up his expenses, covered expenses for the year, came back to New Zealand, uh, as was to be expected, had a very successful run on Charles Tour events here, and he was an absolute uh, Philip on those Charles Tour events, playing at uh, places like uh, Mutawai, and then in the New Zealand PGA Championship out at uh, Tepuki with uh, Geary, and, and they were both done over by the brilliance of Tai Ko, on, uh, on the last day, but uh, uh, that was good to see Ryan back in New Zealand events, uh, obviously not where he would have preferred to be, uh, but now he's gone back to the UK and playing regularly, making money, and has got himself a start in the Open Championship. So a very successful, steady year for Ryan Fox, unfortunately just interrupted, uh, like so many uh, professional sportsmen's lives have been, uh, by this COVID thing and the fact that uh, you, when you play professional golf and you're a member of the European Tour, you've got to travel to a whole lot of countries. Mm. Uh, and, and, and that creates uh, real issues with, uh, with the vaccine. Yeah, I, I look forward to the Open Championship generally, Peter. But, I mean, when Ryan is playing, any Kiwi's playing in the Open Championship, you got to tune in and check out scores every day. And well, even well, if it yeah, means being up all night long, you know. 
Yeah, I hear there are now three New Zealanders uh, in the Open because uh, just hearing that uh, Daniel Hillier has grabbed one of the, the final oh, okay. spots for the Open, to, and Danny Lee's in as well. So, uh, that's a surprise. Danny must have, yeah, Danny must have uh, qualified through an event in, in the, the US. In the US, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. So we've got we've got Fox Lee and uh, and Daniel Hillier uh, oh. playing uh, in the event. Um, Lydia Ko, sort of. Well, I, I'm, I, I'm inclined to describe it as a bit of an up and down year as well. New coach, and uh, he was claiming before the season started that she'd win this year, and he's dead right. She she won the lot of championship uh, back early part of the year. Has had two disappointing finishes in the last two majors: fifty second, I think, in the PGA, and thirty fifth in the US Open, and mm. second in the uh, uh, ANA earlier in the year. So she had that really good purple patch, didn't she, Peter? Where she won. I see she's had six top ten from her 12 or 13 starts this year and I think she's second or third on the money list on the uh, LPGA in America. So those are all uh, a big improvement on where she's been basically since the last Olympics. But um, is she? Uh, w- w- what do you make of her now? Are you inclined to think she um, is back to somewhere where she was or is she still struggling? Yes, yeah, she is. I, I think she is. Uh, I noticed that under the new coach, Sean Foley, she's hitting it further than she was before, which is encouraging. She's still not a bomber. Uh, the likes of uh, Lexi Thompson uh, and some of the uh, players from uh, Korea are always going to uh, get way past her off the tee. Uh, but she's, uh, I think, added... Uh, without looking at the actual numbers, uh, the, the tournaments that I've watched her play, she's regularly driving at 250, 260, yeah, yeah. which is uh, well up there and probably 20 yards is the, uh, the metric they use, uh, 20 yards further than what she has been in the past. So Foley has done that for it. Uh, she's now up to number 10 uh, in the world, uh, which mm. is the highest she has been for some time. So I'm thinking this will go down as one of her better years recently, yeah, particularly – when she's uh, won a tournament and very nearly won uh, a major, just uh, losing out to, in the desert right. with that, that second place there after shooting 62 in the last round. I thought the hyperbole at the time, by the way, uh, of you know it being the greatest ever round and the greatest ever final round in a major championship was just a little over the top. But however, she did shoot 62, did shoot 10 under, but you know she didn't win. But, so um, you, know, she, you can't she, say it was a, a great one of the greatest rounds, but still fantastic and good to see her in contention at a major again. For sure, that that's yeah, that was yeah. the exception to the rule over the last yeah, three or four yeah, years, where yeah. she's really struggled in major championship golf, isn't it? I don't know whether it is because of this fact that she's um, at a disadvantage because of her lack lack of length, and I guess these major championship courses for women, like the men, are probably uh, certainly tougher and, and probably a bit longer as well, which means that she can be found out on some of those par fives, which she can't reach in two. Uh, but 35th and 52nd is a bit of a worry. But um, Although I suppose in past years, she was missing cuts, isn't she, in some major championships in recent years? Yeah, and there is still one more major championship to go, isn't it? Because there will be two. Because two, yeah. they use the British, the British uh, Women's Open, and in uh, the event in France, the Avion as well. Mm. So uh, a chance for her to, and she's she's won the Avion before. So you know, who would know? But uh, I just think it's good that she has a won a tournament, and B she's. Back to the top ten in the world. And I think so, also, uh, I'm encouraged. Yeah, I don't think she's a favourite for a medal at Tokyo. If she repeats what she did in Rio, uh, that would be a real surprise. Right. I mm. think. But it's good to see that she's at least there. And if you tee it up, you've got a chance, haven't you? I think with her, from what I've seen of her lately, the key is her putting. 
Um, Foley, the, the coach, is doing a great job in getting her to the green, adding those extra yards, and so she is bringing a few more par fives into play and being able to reach them in two. But um, when she's putting, I think she's as good as anyone on that tour, but but she seems to have a lot of days where she just doesn't make enough of those 10 or 15 footers. And um, that... Yeah, well, I mean, we, we're, uh, Peter, we've been working to get Lydia on the program here, and hopefully by the end of the year we will. So, you know, uh, I would look forward to hearing what she has, what, to, say what she has to say for herself. But I mean, yeah. all, I guess all golfers uh, go hot and run hot and cold with their putting, don't they, Peter? It doesn't matter what the stats say. Yeah, well, she's number four on the, uh, the, the rankings, the LPGA Tour rankings, 28.78 putts per round is her average. So, you know, that's not bad, obviously, but you'd think that even though that number tells a pretty good story, it's about the putts you make when they really count, yeah, doesn't it? You know, saving par from eight feet, uh, making the 10-footer for birdie with four holes to go. Uh, maybe she's just not uh, making the crucial clutch putts at the at the right time, and therefore you say that yeah, her putting lets her down. But the basic headline numbers pretty darn solid, except, really. Except uh, it doesn't. T- I have, I'd be very surprised if she's number four in putting from the major championships in the last twelve months. But anyway, um, she's there, she's back, and she's uh, playing well for the most part. And it might be time for her to stand up again at a major championship in the next uh, couple of months when we have these two for women. And she's at only twenty four years old too, by the way. Yeah, Remember? yeah. Well, uh, she's Brandy. easy to forget. She's only got five years left, hasn't she? She's retiring. She wants to be finished by the time she's 30. So um, she's better get on a bike. Anyway, Peter, there's a few things we could talk about, but the time is against us. But anyway, uh, we will reconvene again uh, yeah, later thanks, in the Peter. year once this very frantic year has concluded. A lot of golf between now and Christmas. You bet. And um, we thank you very much indeed for your time. Much appreciated. Good fun, guys. Nice talking to you. Peter Williams, our guest today on On The Tee. We'll be back in a fortnight with uh, another guest here. In the meantime, we wish you all the best with your own own, own golf game. And uh, we thank JK's World of Golf out there at Auckland International Airport and the Akarana Golf Club for making this podcast available and possible. You've been listening to On The Tee, Golf New Zealand podcast, hosted by Tom Hyde, and Brendan Telfer, proudly presented by Podcasts New Zealand and Gorilla Voice Media. You can find us online at podcasts.nz.